And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 68 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, March 2nd, 2015. Well, folks, you know the question. It's a question that plagues the American consciousness. It's one that friendships have been lost over, and we here at PNR's This Old Marketing are here to answer it for you. That's right. The question is, is it blue or black? There are legions of people who are fighting over this, or white and gold. What's the answer, you might say? Are you ready? What is the color of the dress? Well, it's ugly. That's the answer for you. That's what color the dress is, ugly. But we want to hear what you have to say. Leave us a review on iTunes, won't you? And in fact, we'd like to start up the entire conversation of whether the dress is blue and gold, or white and black, or blue and white, or gold and black, or you know, just ugly. Your review can make sure to settle this answer right now. The world is depending on you. But for now, it's time to start our own little show and get to the business of content marketing's color. And for that, it's time for me to introduce my co-host, my friend, my colleague, and the guy who is the most clear color of orange on the planet, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I am fantastic. What? I'm just curious. So what color was it for you? You know, it depends on the picture. Really? Um, yeah. When I first saw it, when I first saw it, come across my social feed, I was I would have sworn it was white and gold. And then, of course, as the day went on and I started to see it on TV, I clearly saw it as blue and black. As I mean, you drank more and more, it became blue and black, right? <laughs> I don't, I just, you know, I so didn't care when it came out and then it came out and I think it had everything to do with the, the, the picture and how you viewed it. Um, of what what color you saw it because you know I, I've, there's all those pictures where there's like multiple pictures of it showing it and clearly one of them is white and gold and clearly one of them is blue. I and loved black. The, uh, Joe Kalinowski, our creative director. He just made it orange. So that yeah. was my favorite one. I'm like, <laughs> yes, because right. it, yeah, it's orange to me. Everything's orange to me. <laughs> That's right. So are you are you excited about our uh, our upcoming trip to content marketing Sydney and Singapore? I- I am so excited to get to Sydney. You don't even know. I love that town so much, and we're going to have a good time. Oh, I'm great. my. The only thing I'm a little sad is is that this year we're not going to get to spend as much time there as we did because we've got to move on to Singapore, and and so we won't be spending our extra days there like we used to get. But um, but it's going to be great. Well, we'll have to make the most of Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Let's so let's, let's make sure absolutely we, we do right that for yeah. sure. Absolutely right. Yes. So I am very much looking forward to it. And by the way, yeah, if anybody's interested, it will be in Sydney, 16th to the 18th of March, and Singapore, 19th to the 20th. And if you're out there, come on down and put a shrimp on the Bobby. Absolutely. We'd love to see you. I mean, we only get there once a year, so we got to make the most of it. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Shall we to the news? Let's do this thing. Our first news item comes out. It's a breaking news, in fact. It's uh, play the breaking news music. Coming out uh, right now, literally two hours old. Um, and hat tip to Nanad Senek for sending this over. Hi, Nanad. Uber 
is putting out a magazine to make nice with its drivers. And this, I mean, you sometimes the jokes write themselves, folks. Um, <laughs> this comes to us courtesy of Wired.com. And as we said, it's just fresh off the presses. And it basically starts out by saying, now that it's valued at $41 billion, that's billion with a B, billion dollars, for its ambitious plans to transform the entire industry of transportation, Uber has decided that the future of its business is, dun-dun-dun, print. Well... That they say they're just kidding, sort of. They did launch a magazine, a print magazine today, aimed specifically at its drivers. They call it Momentum, great name, um, and it's a quarterly magazine, and it's rolling out in a bunch of different markets across the country. Um, the inaugural issue apparently includes features on how to stay healthy behind the wheel. I'm just Why reading that for the first this, time. Man? That's this is good now. stuff. They're doing good <laughs> work. News, news on Uber's regulatory victories and, of course, the perennial concern for drivers. Tips on where to find bathrooms around the clock. Apparently, Dunkin' Donuts is the savior there. So I don't know. Jay Bear would be so happy. This is utility at its finest. I think so. Where do I go? I have to go to the restroom. Let me open up my copy of Momentum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's so many there's the, sometimes the jokes just write themselves <laughs> folks because what do you, do you not think this i think this is a great idea i think it's an i think it's an interesting idea for sure i mean this is one of those this is one of those that i think could fail spectacularly just because you know I, i'm not sure you know look i i think as a vehicle, print is great, but it strikes me that when drivers are wanting to interact with Uber, it's not necessarily in a print magazine. But I, look, I could be wrong here. It, it, I love the fact that they're dif- that's, they're telling a different story well, with a print magazine. I'm, here, well, so here, so yeah. I used to work with a company called Altair Engineering, and they targeted mechanical engineers. And what they realized yeah. were mechanical engineers were on a computer or electronic device all the time, and they decided to go with print because they needed a break. Hey, you know That's what? A great on point. your downtime, maybe you don't want to That's be on your smartphone. Point. Maybe you don't want to be driving. Maybe you want to sit and enjoy a little lean back print technology at your fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> maybe while you're in the bathroom and dunking donuts. <laughs> You had to go there, didn't you? Well, you know, I mean, look, I think this is a really interesting experiment. I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, they certainly have the cash to do this kind of thing with, uh, you know, I I think – Interestingly, it would have not been my if, – if, well, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it is a huge priority for them right now, but it feels like the priority for Uber right now is to get, quite frankly, into the minds of consumers. They have not had the best PR of late. And so it feels like, from a content perspective, they need to really be winning over well, consumers no, rather than the absolute. Like every, I mean, I'm an Uber fan, right? I, I, I take Uber a lot of different places when I travel, and – I constantly ask every time I get into an Uber car, I always ask the driver, what's the newest sort of scuttlebutt? What's going on? How are you feeling? None of them are angry at the company. They're all feeling like, yeah, Uber, I'm, I'm all in. You know, they're all, they're all gung ho with the company. There's not, I don't think there's a morale problem there. Well, no, but, but just think of the amount of money that they're spending on everything, marketing and research and development and everything that they're doing. I mean, the mo, people are going to start outside of the flashy technology, which is not so flashy anymore. You, uh, you interact with Uber based on the drivers. Incredibly important, right? That oh, Uber yeah, are, They are the drivers. That's the company. That's fair the, enough. That, that's a, that's a fair point so because they, they are the story. They're the one, storytellers. This, they're the ones who are going to tell the yeah, story, right? This is yeah, one that's small a fair step. Point. 
that they yeah. need to make part of, I think, a bigger program. I mean, I would imagine there's a number of things that they need to do, but if this is one thing that they can do that's fairly controlled, not a lot of risk involved in it, and a way to get communication out to their drivers and employees, which internal, I mean, I'm a, you know I'm a big fan of Don Schultz. Internal communication comes first before external. You, yep. you got to get it right inside before you even try to get it right on the outside. So I like it. Well, it's a great point. It's a, it's it's a great point. I'm sorry. I'm just like in a teenager mood That's today. Fine. I'm totally giggling at the <laughs> thing. Like, is this but, different than normal? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, I I do agree. I do agree. It's a it, when you put it like that. It's a really. It's a way to. It's it's basically you know as I say in workshops. It's it's preaching to the choir. Right. They are getting their choir to sing in a in a more you know. But you know what you know what's interesting and, though. It's what what's interesting is you get these. I mean, really cutting edge companies, Air, Airbnb, and you've got Uber, and they're all right going to print, print magazines. Yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's, we're seeing a wave of print. I think it's yeah. I think it's because you know I was I was asking a, a group in a workshop the other day about how much print mail you know they actually get these days, and the amount is just staggeringly less. Right? I mean, I can remember going to the mailbox when it was just. You know, the catalogs and magazines and stuff were an inch thick. And now if I get one kind of magazine thing every few days, it's 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 pretty rare. The the amount of print mail has really reduced, especially with things like electronic billing and all that sort of things. The the quantity of mail that I get these days is very low. And and you just think I mean, think about I'm assuming they're already sending stuff to these uh, employees, these drivers via the mail. So, I mean, it's just a little bit extra on the postage, I'm assuming, because they're already going there. They're already sending it to them. So if you consider, you know, 150,000 drivers that they're sending out to, and you put it in perspective with, you know, buying an ad, let's say, <laughs> buying a, you know, it's not that much money, uh, to, you know, compared to media spend. So, you know, it's it's more expensive than than doing something online, but it can have more impact. I think so. We'll, we'll see. Well, and and to your and to your point, if they can get a really good engaged audience with the drivers here, there's a lot they can do to actually make this even pay for itself, right? Because if they can, if they can create this audience, you know, this is not the only, they are not the only company that wants to talk to Uber drivers, right? These are independent contractors who are that's true buying other things. They need right? insurance. So, they need and oh, they the need all auto, kinds of automobiles, watch right? Them, yeah, they need watch all them kinds of stuff. the cost of this entirely. Yeah. You know, when I first saw this, I didn't. When I first looked at it, I thought it wasn't an internal magazine. I thought it was something that the Uber drivers could put in the car, like you would get on an airline magazine. <laughs> right. that, why don't they do that? That's a that's an interesting idea as well. Although I, I'm never there's always there are always in almost every Uber car I'm in there's always magazines in the back pocket of the seat in front of me. Um, you don't look at you it? know. No, I mean it's like some old raggedy copy of Vanity but Fair. But what if it was a beautiful gonna... new copy of Momentum? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I really wanted that issue. Thankfully. I might take it into the Dunkin' Donuts bathroom. Let's <laughs> put it that right, way. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All right. Our next article comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch. Um, and this was a really interesting article, I thought, um, because you don't hear about it a lot. But it's something – it's you know, it's one of those – I don't know if it's a dirty little secret. But it's certainly, it's certainly the, the power behind much of the content marketing that you see. And the headline here is, An Army of Ghosts Behind King Content. Um, and 
you and I were talking before the show started. We actually, when we saw King Content, we thought this was the King Content that we know, which is, of course, the agency. But what they're saying here is, is that the, the king of content or king that, you know, uh, that is content. Um, and it's uh, written by this woman who, who said before she quit ghostwriting, she actually wrote for publications like Forbes and The Next Web and even TechCrunch, where this article appears. And she worked as a behind-the-scenes magician, penning all the content that helped the CEOs and companies gain all sorts of internet fame and glory, all while she was actually giving away her own byline. And she goes on to talk about her frustration and how she really discovered at one point as she started to realize that she was putting out about 50,000 words a month, which is just staggering to me. I mean, 50,000 words is a book, basically, every month she was writing. How much she believed in the power of online content, but was just watching herself disappear in the process. And she then goes on to sort of, I don't know if it's really make a point that ghostwriting is bad or ghostwriting is good, but she does make the point that it's really much more prevalent than we might even believe. And what did you, what do you think about ghostwriting in general? And what did you think about this article? Uh, I think that this article is much ado about nothing. In my opinion, ghostwriting has been a staple of marketing sure, since of course. the dawn of time. Uh, <laughs> right. and, and for every, yes, Ghostwriting has gotten a bad name because recently in the content farm era, we've seen a number of businesses just start to create as mass amounts of content and whoever can write it at whatever prices they can get. So we've seen a lot of that. Uh, but it, for, for all that, I mean, you, look at the great content marketing efforts. Uh, I mean, you could probably look at nearly every amazing content marketing effort that's out there, and there's probably a ghostwriter behind some of that. Right. So I think we just don't realize it because we're like, oh, ghostwriting is bad and we shouldn't do it. And I can't say the names of them. I wish I could because it would be super fun. But some of the best-selling <laughs> business books you know out there, folks, have been done I know by ghostwriters. talking about. <laughs> I know which ones you're exactly. talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and in fiction and nonfiction. So they're That's out right. there. So I just we, we just tend to focus on the negative. Now, I mean, businesses outsource to agencies all the – I mean – it's, you know, when Burger King does that flashy 30-second ad, Burger King's not doing that. Their agency's doing it for them, right? And they well, but, is it, but, there's a, but there's a difference between hiring an agency to write copy and then basically putting out something that you purport to be authored by yourself now, that's well, actually see, now authored Now, that's by the good point. Now, now, my whole take with ghostwriting is it needs, like, let's say that a ghostwriter is writing on behalf of a CEO, Right. Now, if it's if it's the CEO's thoughts and intentions, and it's authentic from that standpoint, I'm completely fine. Like I love same when, here. I love when a same writer here. will you know interview somebody, a CEO, go through it, and then they come back with a well written piece based on the thoughts and ideas of the CEO. I'm completely and fine. in fact, and in fact, many of the biggest CEOs in the country for Fortune 500 companies employ people in the PR yes. and corporate communications group who write their speeches and write their articles and their op-eds in the Wall Street exactly. Journal well, and think all of, that. Think of a, the, Yeah, think yeah. of a speechwriter for the president, right? Same thing. Right, exactly. Same it, thing. Now, now uh, let's say in this case, President Obama isn't necessarily saying, hopefully, <laughs> saying anything that he doesn't agree with. He's saying, he's like, this is this, but this person helped me say it better. So great. Right. Now, exactly I don't right. like it when a company calls up and says, we need 100 pieces of content in this area. Go. Now, that I don't like. And you're, you get companies doing that. But you know what? I don't think that that's, that's not successful today. We're seeing that. And Google's penalizing for that kind of content. So that maybe that's sort of on the, on the downturn for that. I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, I th- you know, I think so what I what I have you know, the the flip side of that is what I have, you know, people have asked me, writers have asked me, they've said, you know, should I be ghostwriting or should I not be ghostwriting? And I said, the only way that you're going to increase the rate at which you get paid is to build your brand. That's right. Absolutely. And so you request you, the byline. If, if you so if you're trying to keep that so many people who are trying to get into the content game as an independent consultant or an independent freelancer Yes, do the ghostwriting. I've done it. I've done ghostwriting before. There are articles out on the web that are written by executives. Darn good that are, ones. That, that, no, they're fantastic. <laughs> There's some of the most forward-leaning thought leadership stuff on the planet. <laughs> but having said that, they, you know, it, that keeps the lights on, right? That keeps you in pizza and beer and all sorts of stuff. But then you've got to make time to start to create your own brand That's because right. Quite frankly, that is a race – you know, you're going to end up just exactly as this woman did, writing 50,000 words and never being able to command any better money for That's it. That's the difference. Quite frankly, yeah, you focus have, on right. a niche that you can actually be the expert. And then when That's they go right. and reach out That's to right. you, they say, we want your byline. And then you can charge more for that. That's right. That's exactly right. So. Because that's what you're charging for ultimately is your expertise. That's right. Because I mean, if you're if you're not putting your name to it, I mean, that, then you're just a number. There's there's the value there is in the in the, in the product. You're not adding any extra value by bringing your own brand with it. So, yeah. anyways, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm absolutely. gonna have to search All on. Right. I'm gonna have to search on the <laughs> web now. I've gotta <laughs> well figure out which ones. There is actually there was there was one. I will tell you this. There's one person who is out there. And they know who they are, who knows how to search for my stuff. Actually, any of the editors who've who've edited my stuff, I have sort of a signature thing that I do. Um, that and, and I'm not. Oh, even this is easy. You just search Google for shenanigans because you put the word shenanigans <laughs> in all your content. No, it's not. It's that, a different word, it's, though, it's, isn't it's, it? No, it's not a word. It's not a word. It's a it's a, it's a punctuation. It's a punctuation thing. Oh. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to do that because people are going to be out there searching for this stuff. I'm going to move on to the next okay. article next now. Next contest is going to be Find Robert's <laughs> Ghost Writing. <laughs> okay. Next one. Go on. This comes to us courtesy of Recode.net. Um, and the headline is, how's the media industry these days? It's a question. And then it seems to answer it in the headline, confused. Um, this comes to us from none other than Walt Mossberg, who's writing for Recode these days. And what, what, basically, wait, wait, wait he a op- Why is that? Is isn't is this a side gig for him or is he I think he left so if I'm not mistaken he left um the thing with Kara Swisher whatever the heck yeah, that digital, was called Wall Street D uh, D Digital the, by D, Wall Street the, Journal yeah, he yeah, left all that? things D all things D um yeah. he did I believe I believe both of them left quite frankly oh. um not, and it was a while ago it wasn't this isn't recently they they both left um I'm sure it was Kara's sunglass choices that uh got them nice. out of anyway let me go off on kara swisher but that'll be that's a whole other rant um anyway so walt is now yeah i think he's now writing for recode and himself really okay. i think he blogs all right, all right. so go um, on i'm sorry didn't mean to anyway no worries um and so actually he, he talks about he's at this event um and he says it's no secret that the media industry has been high on the list of businesses that have been disrupted by the internet struggling to find a new footing We've known this. He says for a few years, things appear to be settling down as music, written word, video seems to be on more promising paths. And then he's sitting this event at the Code Media Conference, and he's listening to speaker after speaker address these issues. And he says the air of uncertainty was palpable. 
And so what do you what did you think about this? You know what I think. <laughs> you know exactly what I think. We talked about it last week. I've been to my fair share of media conferences over many, many years, too many to count these days. And for some reason, there's never any talk of the only way we can make money, apparently, in the world is to paid, to sell paid content of some way, some kind, or advertising and sponsorship. There's no other ways to make money. None. You go to these events. I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I, I don't get it. And this, that's exactly – if you read this article, they're all saying, oh, we got this new model and this new model and this new model. It's all advertising or paid content. I don't get it. it is somebody right. going to come along and say, no, there is another way to make money in this world? And, and there's actually <laughs> lots of them. But, I, I, but these people don't get it. I don't understand. You know what I want to know is – why are people still listening to Mark Cuban? I, I don't understand why people continue to listen to this guy. I mean, the article, and I'm not just changing the subject. The article goes into some depth and basically he was the closing talks, keynote or something. He was the closing that. keynote and basically attacked YouTube as having more failures and successes and said traditional TV is still dominant and will be for the long time to come. Defended movie theaters. Of course, he owns a bunch of movie theaters and he basically said uh, anyway i just don't understand why when you have them people. same thing with i believe with donald trump you you have this you, you have you have that much money there's a certain group of the population that will listen to you that's yes. it that's it i mean i don't know yeah. what else to say now what's interesting is the um what, what was this quote by ev williams oh so i think it's so funny because he says ev williams who was there right they had a really good Group of people. Of Twitter. Yeah, you, Twitter. For those of you don't know. Yeah. All kinds of people were there. But he talks about how it would be something about it would be a horrible world if Facebook has all our content. Because they were Facebook, the chief product person at Facebook was saying, look, publishers, give us your content and we'll help you monetize it. And then Ev Williams, right. who runs Medium now, co-founder of Twitter, says, wouldn't that be a horrible <laughs> right, world exactly. if that happened? But what his solution isn't any better because it's you know you're not going to have your content on medium anyways it's it's just right. okay i'm going to put it on somebody else's platform facebook uh, medium no i'm i don't have control over that either so right. i i don't know i don't know if there's an overall take about this because it just kind of goes back and forth and says media companies are still confused and my take is and you know our friend bob Sachs, who sent this on to us as we were, to, I sent an e email back to him immediately, and I says, "Bob, the problem is they don't know what business model they should adopt because they're right. still in the same business model, even though that business model is deteriorating." So, anyways, what do you what are you gonna do? I think it comes back to, I mean, so, you know, just to wrap it up with a media analogy. So a, a million years ago, when I first came out to LA, and I was going to be a screenwriter. Um, William Goldman, who is a screen famous, world famous screenwriter, he wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and a, a number of others. Um, Marathon Man, uh, just an amazing screenwriter, wrote a book about screenwriting and how to get into it. And basically, the title of the book was "Nobody Knows Anything." <laughs> you know, so and it's so true. It's you know, we're they're all making it up. Everybody up there is doesn't understand what the way you know the the, the what's really going to happen. We're all fumbling through you this know, together and making well, our that's, own way. Well, that's true. Yeah, we, we are all fumbling. You and I included into that little yeah, mess Of course, there. absolutely. Having, but at least we're honest about it. Um, this is the one thing, because as, as part of um, the book that I'm, I'm working on called Content Inc. right now, the, I've been doing a lot of research about how people make money. 
just in general. So if you think about the richest people and how they make money in the world, most of them have five, six, seven, eight, nine different ways they make money. They're very diversified, lots of money coming in in a lot of, lot of different places. And I've been looking about that against content models. And yeah. generally, like this, in this kind, so let's take this article. They are looking at only two ways to make money. When if you're smart and if you're looking at building an asset like, you know, like a millionaire would, they look at, well, how many different ways can I make money off of this content? <laughs> and I think about that right. with like Bezos and Amazon, right? Yeah. I mean, Amazon makes money a thousand ways off of that right. site and he's selling to a, he's selling to all kinds of different people and i think that's where media companies need to look and say look we have this amazing asset okay we know these two ways we've been selling we've been making money off of this these two ways for a long time what about the 10 other ways we can make money off it maybe we should just expand that out a little bit so yeah there you go i like it all right, moving on, moving on from the confusion to more confusion. Um, and this article comes to us uh, straight out of Ad Week. And I know. I thought you were going to say straight yeah. out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well come out straight out of Compton. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it has this sponsored tag on it, which I didn't notice. Okay. That. And so let the debate begin about native advertising here because this is a native advertising piece when we started looking at it. The headline is, despite what you've heard, native advertising can scale. So the meta here is just too palpable, right? The the idea that this is an article about native advertising that is itself native advertising in Adweek. Um, so go chase that enigma wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in something else and cellophane of some kind. It starts out by saying that the last three years, the media industry has been talking in circles, which, I mean, well, folks, wait till you hear this. It's just, it, it just, it gets better. We've been told time and time again that native advertising can't scale. The thing is, that's not true. And then this writer goes on to not answer that question, but basically <laughs> answer some other questions. Answers a bunch of other questions about how content needs to be good and engaging, and then that the content needs to be mobile compatible, and that it needs to be uh, also, I guess, shareable. Um, some, and then basically leaves with. Great. Okay. But that's how native advertising can scale. So he basically doesn't answer the question in this native advertising. I just, I thought, I don't want to pick on this article too much because I don't want to get the accusations that were being too snarky here. But the, this is such a great example of what not to do with native advertising. It's just, I thought it was worth discussing. Um, yeah, I don't have any comment on the article <laughs> because it, the question is not answered. You don't ever. Then I was waiting for. Oh my gosh! I kept. Yeah. Maybe I was wrong all along. Maybe it does. Well, that's scale. why I clicked on it. I would love. Yeah, I would love to to know. Maybe it does. What 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 is this new technology? What is this new right. process? Now there's there's nothing there. It it can't the scale as far as I can I can tell. You know, well, let's say it can scale to a very like you could scale Megan Trainer's you know stuff, right? You, you could you could scale stuff that's applicable to a lot a lot a lot of people because there's a lot of sites that are relevant to those kind of people but you can't scale it if you are targeting a niche audience of in any kind as far as i can tell but the weird thing is is that this is a sponsored piece and i think it just calls into question the process and i love adweek stuff i mean you absolutely i'm a reader i'm a regular reader but how do you let this 
go through without somebody on the editorial side saying, you know what, I don't think you answered the question. Right. I exactly. think you were a little self-serving exactly. right. with this for right. your services exactly. that you have. And we're not going to say the name of the company. You can find yeah. out if you want to. But I, that's my take. And that's why I like New York Times process, actually, because yeah. they say, look, you can't create the content yourself. We're going to do it. You can look at it. But we're going to do it because we trust our own. We know our audience. We trust our own processes. We're going to do it. In this case, this is exactly like what Forbes does. They basically they needed- let them have. You know what? It looks good. It's uh, it, there. There's letters on the page. Approved. <laughs> yeah, right. They're right. They're, how many words? It matches. You fit the there's word. Five hundred words. You're good to go. And I'm that. I'm being facetious <laughs> there a little bit. But well, they needed that guy to come in and be that guy from Office Space. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday and fix this article. And yeah, but you know what? As right. a, as an advertiser, I would want as a sponsor, I would want that. I want pushback. Exactly. You want people to push back. I want and, it to be and, an and amazing make it piece of content exactly. that they're really going through. So unfortunately, it yeah. just didn't happen. So. All right. Well, speaking of amazing pieces of content or not, our last story for the show actually comes to us courtesy of the Washington Post. Um, and I know you actually have an opinion on this, and I'm 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 truly undecided about this, and so I want to get your take on this, Joe. So yeah. the headline is: Is Dove's Speak Beautiful campaign the ugliest thing on the internet right now? I'm not sure it's the ugliest thing on the internet. I can point to a few things that are really ugly on the internet, but the article opens up by saying a span of several grating hours on Tuesday. The article pulls no punches. Dove's Speak Beautiful campaign, hashtag Speak Beautiful campaign, was the number one trending hashtag on Twitter. Ladies on Twitter, the research has shown, tend to say a lot of negative things about beauty in their bodies. And so they what Dove decided to do with this campaign was to actually intervene. And they would tweet unsolicited messages of affirmation to anybody, any lady, basically, who posted a negative thing about their body. And so... They basically, if you said something bad about yourself, they would then respond with a affirm, affirming tweet to say, no, 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 you're actually beautiful. Um, and this article goes to take them to task by saying basically this is unnerving and a weird sort of creepy sort of humanization of the – basically a brand that doesn't really make sense. And I don't know. What say you, Joe? I know you – you have an opinion on this. Well, you know, I was I was reading. I didn't know about this until I read the article. So you sent me the right. article. Yeah. I'm reading through it. And I'm just, I can barely get through it because I, I, it was really? so uncomfortable to me. So that, this, you know, this person on Twitter says, I just took a long look in the mirror to realize I'm ugly, which is horribly sad, which I don't know what this person's going through. Uh, and then you've got Dub. No! You're fit. You're beautiful. You you're wonderful. Just tweet it with "Speak beautiful" and everything will be fine. I mean, that's basically what it was. And this is something that's very personal to some of these people. Now, now I don't live in the world where I would share those thoughts on social media. But there are people out there that do that. I know a lot of people. You and I both know a lot of people that share. Oh yeah, everything personal out there, and. You know, they're putting it way out there. They're, they could be they could be going through a depression. They could be going through some serious issues. There could be some suicidal things going on. I don't know what's going on. This this is personal. This is the last thing I need is somebody I don't know, Dove, mind you, coming in and saying, No, 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 no. You're wonderful. 
It's great. It's gonna be fine. Just tweet. Speak well, when you say it like that, it's a little cre- it's a little creepy when you that's say it like that. It, that's Come what on. that was in my head because <laughs> I'm doing back and forth. I'm trying to picture. It's the okay, Joe. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, big. Oh, no, no, no! Don't be so hard on yourself. Try to say something nice about yourself today. You are beautiful, <laughs> Rianne. Speak beautiful, and it'll sink in. I mean, this is a Saturday Night Live skit, right? It's, well, sure, it's the Jack, it's the Jack Handy. I'm, I'm okay, and but it's, I it, love so anyways, myself. Now and, here, now I'm, <laughs> I'm maybe being too hard on him. I like the positivity. I mean, I, I do like. I mean, like we talked about Coca Cola a couple weeks yeah, ago, yeah. and the whole, you know, Gawker got all over him about it. I like the fact that they're trying to do something positive, but right. this is taking the, you know, getting a li- hitting a little bit too close to home. Uh, and you know you're not my attentive friend. You're trying to sell me stuff. And oh, by the way, as the article points out, you also sell X body spray. And uh, you know you, there's nothing about you feeling good and ugly. They're really sort of putting it out on the other in the other direction. I realize that you know owned both owned by Unilever, and they're sort of you know different product areas. But you can't really do that. It's sort of two faced, don't you think? I mean. Uh- you know, look, I'll, I'll, I look, I'll, I'll. Here's what I'll, I'll, I'll say is, is that I came into this truly undecided whether this was a, even a a good idea or not. And I'll agree, it probably wasn't a good idea. What I'll, what I'll applaud here uh, is the the risk that that yes. took. You know, a lot of and risk. So, and so, you know, it, it didn't. It, maybe it didn't work. Um, but I'll applaud them actually doing it and taking the risk for this because otherwise, you know, this, I could I could very easily see them coming to that same conclusion with most of the campaigns and, and creative and content that they've run with. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe the pendulum has swung a little too far with this particular idea, but I, I do, I do like it. Sort of, <clears throat> the, I yeah. Like the risk I, I, so the risk, I'll, I'm that's I'm surprised with it. But there's got to be to do this kind of thing. This this would make more sense for customers. This would make more sense for an existing relationship. But there's nothing there. You, you don't even know if these people have ever talked before. They're just they're they're, they're actually searching right. for ugly, hate, <clears throat> negative words. And then that comes up in Dove's feed, and then they're replying back with something. It's That's right. They without fine. the context. <laughs> You're beautiful. <laughs> Again, I'm going to say that that's probably not the tone of <laughs> the tone of voice that the person has. Because <laughs> now all I've got in my head, now all I've got in my head is that guy. You know, who's that guy from Family Guy? Hello. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. We have a sponsor we should that. get to before we go completely off the rails yes, here. Uh, we have an, a wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Thanks again this week to this old marketing sponsor, Marketo, marketing automation software solution provider. They have, as we've talked about till we're red in the face here, I'm red in the face right now. I've been laughing too hard. <laughs> um, they have a great uh, package content package called Content Marketing Tactical Plan. It's not just one ebook; it's a whole bunch of stuff that help you accomplish your content marketing goals. Make sure you get this wonderful workbook by Marketo. Download it, fill it in. You can develop your strategies. You can write them in there. You can start to create your 
content machine that's going to map specifically to your goals. You can figure out what staff you need or, you know, put some wonderful, pretty charts, beautiful charts together, (laughs) editorial calendar (laughs) templates, promotion objectives and tactics and key content metrics. Uh, I love this thing. I've, I've talked about it a lot. I really It's a fantastic piece. If you it's haven't really downloaded it, download it. And there's there's true value here. Make sure you download it. You can get it at bitly.com slash PNR dash Marketo. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-O. Bitly.com slash PNR dash Marketo. And thanks again for the wonderful sponsorships that make PNR's This Old Marketing possible. Thank you so much to Marketo for sponsoring the show. It's, it's great. You're going to be fine, Joe. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's a Will Ferrell line. I just can't think of what movie it's in when he's going, it's beautiful. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our your favorite part of the show, our rants and raves section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that has got our attention or something that makes us feel beautiful. Um, and I have this old marketing this week, so I'm going to go first. And I have a very short rave. I, I, I was looking back. It's been a while since I've actually had a rant. I need to actually get angry about something, I suppose. But this week I have a rave again, um, and it comes to us courtesy of skift.com. And it's talking about how airlines are turning safety requirements into a content marketing opportunity, this article does. And um, I wrote a piece um, for our uh, the Intelligent Content Conference blog um, last week, a couple of weeks ago, um, called We Are Content, Content is What We Are. And it really talked through this idea of content is more than just a campaign. Content is more than just the thing that we think describes the value of our product or service. It is now what we are. It is what we do as a company. And this is such a great example of that, and I just wanted to rave about it. It's nothing new under the sun. You have heard this story before about the New Zealand, Air New Zealand, in fact, airline, and what they've been able to do with their safety videos. And they've done a number of really interesting, quirky things with their safety videos. The video that you actually see as you're taxiing toward takeoff, the one that tells you to fasten your seatbelt, et cetera. And they've done everything from uh, where they had you know body painted on the staff of people um, to what they've got running now, which is this really funny and interesting take on Lord of the Rings, where you've got all of them dressed up as elves and and wonderful and you know fighting dragons and all that kind of stuff. This is nothing new. We've seen this from other airlines. The Delta one actually went a little viral, um, I think, last year. Um, we've had Southwest. If any of you have ever flown Southwest, their safety speech has you know, been you know, they, the way that they give latitude to the flight attendants to be able to really say whatever they want during this um, is you know, legendary, right? You can find tons of YouTube videos out there of f- songs and poetry and comics and all sorts of wonderful things. So the idea of the safety requirement speech on an airplane as great, funny, interesting content is nothing new. What I like about it and what this just brought to top of mind for me and the reason I wanted to rave about it is because it ties those two things together. Content is what we are. So how many times when we look at the entirety of the experiences that we're creating for customers – and if you're a software company, think about the login to your software. You know, and I think of things like, you know, when I send an email in Mailchimp and I get the little rock and roll thrown up at me saying, "Rock on, your thing is scheduled." It's a very simple thing for them to do, but it's content. Yep. 
or when we get experience to go into an airport or when I walk uh, through the airport in Amsterdam and there's the, the, the different instructions are, are done in an entertaining way. Those are all opportunities for creating content that creates a more impactful, wonderful experience, and it's something that as marketers we can really start to pay attention to. Content marketing is not just a blog. It's not just a social uh, campaign, and it's not just something that we do that lives sort of outside of everything else we do as part of the customer experience. It's everything that we do inside that customer experience as well, and I think it's a huge opportunity. And this airline sort of safety tip is just one of those examples, and so I thought it was a great Great, great, wonderful example, and I just wanted to rave about it a bit. So you're saying we should create experiences. <laughs> That's a great name for a book. Yes, I wish it would come out already. It's not going to be Crying ready in time loud. for Sydney and Singapore, is it? But I've heard we're close for Intelligent Content Conference, right? I am, yes, I'm ever hopeful. I'm ever hopeful that it's going to emerge from the editing process um, and be ready that for uh, be for whatever. Wonderful. I can't yeah. wait to read it. <laughs> um, what am I doing? I think I have what a are rave. You doing? I think I have a rave. Our friend right. uh, Adrian Larson, <laughs> good friend Adrian Larson, who's uh, over at JD Supra and always been a friend of uh, CMI. Uh, Adrian, they run JD Supra is a educational um, site for legal professionals. And he sent me this video. It's about four minutes long. And it's really, really interesting because what what they do is they do an analysis of if we say the news this way versus this way, how does it do? So if we say, here's here's what happened. Uh, you know, this legal issue came to bear and this, and they just say what happened versus really looking at a compelling way to do it and write the why behind it. Um, and they've got all kinds of samples, which is which is really cool. But it's... The the interesting thing that I thought is if you can write the why behind and they go something like instead of just writing the what, like so this thing was passed, it's like, oh well, what's the most important you thing you need to do with your contracts by March sixteenth? Like and they really they they not buzzfeed it if you want will, but they, right, but sure. it's more compelling. And right. what I thought about that when when they he went through the de- <laughs> when he went through the de- this comp- this company went through compliance and you'll never guess what happened next. It's sort of a little bit like that, but not to that extent. But what he found <laughs> is the results are the if you just say what happened, they do really well because it's timely news and it does really well at the start, but then it dies off quickly and you never get any evergreen traffic. What he found with the other ones, it continues to deliver ongoing. Wow. So it's just interesting way. So if you're ever covering the news as a company, you've got to look at this because it's interesting. I mean, I'm going to well, – the team's looking at this right now from our standpoint because if we cover something, you don't want to just say, oh, we're really – content marketing awards released. Okay, great. Well, that's that's going to be good for a day. They'll get the release and be done. But how can that uh, Evergreen post still work uh, years from now? And well, the other thing that he said is – Write for social consumption, which I thought was interesting. Is never write um, a title, and most people know this, but some people don't. Never write a title longer than a hundred characters. You got to leave forty for the URL or whatever, because right, people sure. then can't share it. It'll cut cut that title off. So, yeah. something else to think about. We'll embed it. There's a whole little nice video, and you can hear Adrian's voice, and very very helpful. So I just wanted to make sure we the shared story that. that I the story that I love that that speaks to that is I, I and I've told this story a few times at workshops and stuff. Is is what State Farm uh, did with uh, the William Shatner video, 
um, that they did when he when they launched the whole initiative around the oh the frying the he, turkey yeah exactly yeah. the deep fat fryer and the turkey thing and when they release when they did the press release for that video for that content. It would have been, and because they released it in conjunction with a study that they did in a white paper, and also the video, and of course the the PowerPoint of how he you'd set it up right and all that kind of stuff, and it was great. But the interesting thing was they didn't just release it with a headline that said "State Farm releases new information with William Shatner telling you why you shouldn't be burned with a deep fat turkey fry." You know the sort of standard press yep. release headline that you would normally see. The headline that they went with was "William Shatner saves the world from exploding turkeys." And that's just such a great headline. And it's just it's it's something that you can even take forward with you in just your press releases. It's like, why do we always write the most boring headlines for press releases? You know, it's always like company launches new mm-hmm. initiative. Or writing. You know? or you've talked about this. Or just anything. We don't have to do – you can write whatever you want in a press release. Exactly. You don't have They'll to do a standard it. like the way everybody <laughs> right. else does it. Boring quote, right. boring quote, boring quote, boring quote, boring right. quote. Nice statistic there. Boring quote. Reach us here. I mean, right. About us yeah, and about exactly. our partner. And <laughs> long boiler and plate scene. Done. Right. And then we're shocked when nobody covers it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for our This Old Marketing example. And this week, our This Old Marketing example is not that old, um, but it is a wonderful one. And it's top of mind for me because as I worked through a company this week, um, a very, very large organization, uh, one that you would know the, the name of if I said it, they are struggling with their e-commerce strategy. And e-commerce seems to be top of mind for a lot lately. I was on a webinar a couple of weeks ago on e-commerce and content marketing, and this company is struggling with their e-commerce strategy. And the the general tone these days is that content marketing is now really starting to to, to work on e-commerce. And, and, and quite frankly, it's because the days of simple simply having a catalog are over. You can't just have it. There's no reason to go to the website unless you're the only person that sells your particular set of products, which of course is great, but that's very rarely true. So if you're in an e-commerce business where <clears> – <throat> You're looking to differentiate. Content is really kind of the only thing you've got left. And this is really true in the fashion business where there's been a a trend toward getting more editorial into the catalog and sort of laying over it. You know, Net-A-Porter is is, is a classic example of this. I wanted to cover Land's End only because I've known the Land's End brand for a number of years. And they launched – now, two years ago, they've launched a a magazine – a print magazine, by the way, called Apostrophe. And the, the by the way, the reason that it's called Apostrophe is because um, it is uh, actually because of the punctuation error in the actual name of the company, which of course is Legends Old, and the, they tell the story about how they couldn't they they put it out in their logo, and then quite frankly didn't have the money to fix it. So they've launched this quarterly online magazine, cheekily named after the typo in the company's name, and it's a couple of years old, going very, very strong now, and it's a wonderful example of how they're layering over editorial over the course of an e-commerce catalog. And it's fascinating. When I started looking at some of the issues there, there was all these wonderful sort of 
examples of of content from everything from they did a full spread that you would expect to see in like Bon Appetit or or Food Magazine where they talked about all the different kinds of food um, that you might serve at a holiday meal. There's a, another section of a magazine like what you know men's um, you know what what men should be wearing these days. Um, there's all sorts of you know fashion tips and what you should be wearing together and the way that you should put outfits together. It's just a fashion magazine, a popular consumer fashion magazine that's just really really great. Content is wonderful, and they've just done a, such a great job of infusing it into their e-commerce system where you can actually buy the things that are featured on an image. You can actually click through and actually buy some of these things that are packaged together, and it's just a wonderful example of how e-commerce and content are coming together, and the fact that it's only a couple of years old is 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 you know is interesting, but um, I, I think a wonderful example of this old marketing. Do we do we know the impact on sales at this point? Or I could not find anything um, on their impact on sales. The only thing I have found is is that they've considered it. It's now on issue, I think, number ten, um, and they've considered it a uh, a great great success. That's so, a good but there's sign. I have not yeah I have not seen any sort of individual impact on sales. Got it. Well, I know that the the, the Z, when Zappos came out with their digital magazine, they they could prove. Um, you know, the amount of sales going back to, and it was just tremendously successful. And I'm just, it's just curious. It's hard to get these tangible. Yeah. Well, I, and I saw another case. Yeah. I know. I saw another case study on Netta Porter, which, which talked about their approach to this. And they actually looked at it as a search play where they couldn't rank for search with the catalog. So they rather created the editorial so that they could start ranking for search on the editorial side, and then infuse that with the commerce. And so for them, and they, they measured that they got 25,000 more visitors because of that, because of their editorial effort. Content marketing. I've heard it's going to be big, I man. Gonna, I think it's going to happen. I think it's something. It's going to be beautiful. I think it's something's going to, this is the beautiful episode. I think, I wonder if I can call, in iTunes, if I can call it the beautiful episode. You're so beautiful. I think we're going to have to play that music this time. All right, so where are you headed off this? uh, I am uh, tomorrow. I head to Orlando, Orlando, Florida, and um, I'm visiting the lovely people at North Plains who are doing a uh, customer conference, and I'm keynoting their customer conference. It's a very, very short in and out trip. I will be in Orlando for all of probably. 12 hours or so as I do their keynote conference and then head back here and quite frankly prepare. I'm going to Adobe Summit for two days uh, next week um, and speaking at uh, the Adobe Summit. And then I hit the road on Thursday just like you do to head out to Sydney, Australia. That's exactly right. Yeah, I have, uh, I've got a speech tomorrow night. I got to do, I'm on some, like, some startup panel here for downtown Cleveland and then BMA, Northeast Ohio chapter. We're having a nice little panel. Uh, with a bunch, ah, Craig bunch of executives here in Northeast Ohio talking about the future of marketing, and I'll be leading that panel, which is super exciting. It'll be Thursday evening, and then I'm it, basically it's the good. same as you, the, the, just trying to I, trying to get the, everything. The future together of marketing is we, good. We leave on our trip, so yeah, there you go. The future of marketing is good. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> it's uh, spoiler alert. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get the let's hell out of there. here. Yeah. We are out of here. This is uh, uh, this is Robert Rose, and for Joe Polizzi, we are signing off. And you know, tweet us up, tell us we're beautiful at hashtag This Old Marketing. Um, 
get us uh, get us an email, thisoldmarketingatcontentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 68, we do hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links and wonderful stuff that we talked about today will be available on the show notes, which are available at thisoldmarketing.com. And do tune in next week for when we're going to hear Joe say, Jane, your mouth is talking. You might want to look at that. Remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. show is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.